0: Today's scripture reading is from Acts chapter 4, verses 23 to 32. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly all the believers were one in heart and mind this is the word of the lord
1: so this passage that we just heard uh, is actually a story it's the end of a story that began back in chapter 3 and we'll need a sense of the whole story if we're going to um, understand our text for today so Uh, Turn in your Bibles. Uh, If you brought a Bible, great. If you don't have one, there's a Bible in the the chair racks uh, below you, and you can grab one of those, or if you have one on a device. But please turn to Acts chapter 3, and let's be ready to follow this story as it develops. Acts chapter 3, and that's uh, page 1057 in the Pew Bibles, and maybe I should call them the -the under-the-seat Bibles. Okay. so. Things are in their infancy for the first Christian church. Now by this time, uh, Jesus has already been resurrected from his death. He's appeared to his disciples and to hundreds of others. Uh, He's lived among the disciples for 40 full days, teaching and preparing them for life without his physical presence. Uh, He has ascended into heaven by this time and the Holy Spirit has been poured out on the believers empowering them for the task that Jesus commanded them to fulfill in his absence. Go into the world and make disciples of all men. So, in other words, the church has been born and it is growing by leaps and bounds. It is growing Uh, upon receiving the Holy Spirit. Peter preached the first Christian sermon and 3,000 people were added to the kingdom of God. The church was living in a kind of fellowship that was so distinctive, loving one another and sharing their resources that people were being added to their midst daily through their witness of life. So, can you imagine being part of this brand new church? God is with them and people are flocking to them. They are the talk of Jerusalem and beyond. What an exciting moment of life for them. And now in chapter three, uh, verse one, it could be just days into the life of the new church or, or maybe months, we don't know, but not very long. <laughs> Peter and John heal a man who had been horribly lame since birth. Um, and this gives Peter the opportunity in chapter 4 now to explain to Israel's religious leaders you remember them, right? The ones who arrested Jesus and turned him over to the Romans for his execution. Uh, so Peter can explain to these religious leaders where they had received this power to heal this man. and and. It gave him an opportunity to preach the gospel to them, which he does in chapter four, and which gets them thrown into jail. With the clear possibility that these two crucial leaders to this brand new movement would be killed. I mean what a turn of events for this young church to to absorb after such a great start. So if If we're going to understand today's text, uh, we have to put ourselves in the shoes of these brand new believers. Imagine that we are them. And we have now gathered because we've heard the news that Peter and John have been arrested and we are shaken to our core as a result. Now, the, the Jewish leaders, the Sanhedrin, decided to let Peter and John go, but they were commanded never to speak of Jesus again. Not now, not ever. (laughs) Which placed them in great danger because they had no intention of stopping to speak the name of Jesus not now, not ever. (laughs) And that's where our story, that's where our text picks up the story. Chapter 4 verse 23. So Peter and John have just been released and they have been commanded to stop talking about Jesus And because of how important their leadership was to the developing church, its very existence hung in the balance. So let's move through our text verse by verse. And uh, there are some things I want you to notice as we, uh, uh, that can become lessons for us as we move into the year 2022. So verse 23, on their release, Peter and John didn't go into hiding as they had done after Jesus had been crucified. They didn't flee Jerusalem for the sanctuary of their hometowns back in Galilee. They didn't uh, seek safety for themselves. They went straight back to their own, back to this new community of believers, back to the church and told them all that had happened. Verse 24. So again, picture yourself there part of this new young church and hearing this report and recognizing, realizing that from this moment on to be associated with Peter and John, to be associated with the name of Jesus becomes dangerous. The Sanhedrin was powerful and they were determined to crush this infant church. So, did they panic? Did they flee? Did they take up weapons to defend themselves? No. They prayed. They prayed. The first response to their dilemma was prayer. Going to God with their situation and expressing their dependence on Him and on Him alone. Sovereign Lord. So that's how they began their prayer, Sovereign Lord. Let's not miss how different this is than simply beginning a prayer addressing God, dear God. No, Sovereign Lord. They began their prayer with a recognition of God's absolute authority over the world and over them. Sovereign Lord. The Greek word is despota. Now you can easily pull an English word out of that Greek word despota, right? Despot. In English the word despot carries a deeply negative connotation that isn't there in the Greek. But the power of the word is present in both languages. Despata. Sovereign Lord. It's the relationship between a master and a slave unquestionable authority. Now to begin their prayer this way, Sovereign Lord, (laughs) immediately and correctly oriented them to the one they were addressing, Master, (laughs) the one who holds absolute authority over us and our situation, Sovereign Lord. And then they went on fully orienting themselves to the truth of whom it was they were addressing. First, Sovereign Lord, You made. You made the heavens and the earth and the seas and everything in them. Nothing exists apart from what You have made. So this puts anything and everything in its proper context. Whatever it is I face, whatever it is I face, whatever whoever opposes me, whatever threatens me, it falls within what God has made. Nothing stands apart from Him or out of His control. Sovereign Lord, You made the heavens and the earth. They're aligning themselves properly with the God they're praying to. Second, uh, verses twenty-five and twenty-six. Sovereign Lord, you spoke. Your voice prepared us for this moment. You are always way ahead of us, Lord, revealing to us what is true through your word. So the passage from God's word that they used in this prayer is from Psalm two, a Psalm David, a Psalm of David. Why do the nations rage, and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up, the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. I mean, this verse speaks of how futile it is when people, even powerful kings and their nations, attempt to thwart the work of God. And God God has prepared us to respond to trouble by looking to him alone, because his word has revealed to us that he frustrates the schemes of even the most powerful of human beings. Sovereign Lord, you spoke and prepared us to trust you. Sovereign Lord, you ordained. God ordained the pathway of Jesus to live and to die at the hands of men. He ordained this pathway long before there were men. (laughs) Israel's King, Herod Pontius Pilate, representing all the power of Rome, thought they were acting on their own, (laughs) under their own authority when they made the decisions that led to Jesus' death. And their actions might seem to have thwarted God's plan by killing his Messiah. But their decisions actually furthered God's plan. Now how could that happen? Because God is sovereign. God is sovereign. (laughs) The powerful Sanhedrin uh, threatened them with jail, attempted to silence them, but their authority was still subject to the authority of God, and the commands of men cannot overturn the commands of God. Sovereign Lord, you ordain the events of history and make them so. Okay, so their entire prayer so far has simply oriented them correctly to the one to whom they were praying. Now verses 29 and 30. Only now do they bring their request to God. They are very brief. <laughs> Two sentences, three requests. First, Lord, consider their threats. I mean, Lord, we ask you to take notice of what's happening here. That's all. Just consider our situation. So that's, that's an interesting way to pray, right? Right? <laughs> especially when you notice what they didn't pray. They didn't beg God to remove this threat against them or even to protect them against it. They, they, they didn't ask God to crush the people who threatened their safety. They leave to God the moral judgment over their opponents. They simply ask God to take notice of their situation. Sovereign God, consider their, our threats. And then secondly, they asked God to enable them to keep on doing their job, bearing witness to him with boldness. Uh, Remember how I said they took such great care to properly orient themselves to God in their prayer? See, getting God right leads to getting ourselves right. Who were they? They were his servants, doulos in the Greek, slaves. They were slaves to God. We are your servants, sovereign Lord. All we want is to do our job for you, to be your witnesses just as you've commanded. Sovereign Lord, enable us to speak. And their third request was for God to do what he alone can do demonstrate the truth of the gospel through miracles, signs, and wonders. Sovereign Lord, stretch out your hand. This prayer, it's calm, it's confident, and even though the threat against them is sudden and powerful, this, this is the mindset of people who believe they have prayed to the Sovereign Lord. A quiet, calm, confidence in him. And then finally verse 31 uh, God's response to their prayer (laughs) this is kind of (laughs) cool the room shook with his power the Holy Spirit filled them with, with the presence and power of God and then they went out and did their job in the face of the Sanhedrin's warnings they went out and spoke the word of God boldly the first church in its very infancy responding to a situation that threatened their existence by placing themselves entirely in the hands of God through a wise and confident prayer. Hmm. Okay, So this is where this morning's text becomes about us, Evergreen Covenant Church as we enter a new year, 2022. This prayer is for us as a model. Uh, We are are going to enter a conversation over the next weeks that we must have as a congregation. We're going to talk about some difficult things in our life together uh, and about some threats to our very existence. Uh, In this, we are just like these people, who prayed so wisely and so confidently in our text. We can put our faith, our trust, completely in our sovereign God. As we face uh, difficult times head on, we can put our full weight down on God, the sovereign Lord who made heaven and earth. So let me me begin this conversation by telling you a little bit more about myself than maybe some of you already know. Um, And I do this with the hope that you will see that I'm not making some uh, off-the-cuff observations about the state of the state here at Evergreen Church. Uh, Since my years on staff in this church in the 1980s, I've pastored small churches, medium-sized churches, and very large churches. And I've spent almost 10 years on the staff of the Midwest Conference of Covenant Churches uh, as an associate superintendent and the director of congregational vitality for over 100 churches uh, in that conference. So it was my job to, to come alongside churches in every context and in every stage of life as a coach, and as a resource for helping them to increase their vitality and and helping them to assess their health and to develop strategies for overcoming obstacles, for strengthening their mission, Um, and on occasion for helping them decide to lay down uh, and celebrate a ministry that God had done through them over the years or maybe even centuries. And it's from this experience that I want to confirm what you likely already know in your own assessment of this moment that we find ourselves in here at Evergreen Covenant Church. We are a church at a crossroads. 20 plus, 20 plus years of slow decline has brought us to a crossroads where we are going to have to decide either to arrest this decline and work toward a new season of life and vitality and mission uh, for ECC or allow the decline to continue until we are out of options. We are a church at a crossroads. Now, however we look at 2022, it will be a pivotal year for our church. Um, And how we understand our situation and the choices that we make in this next year will be important in ways that are unprecedented for our church. Now unlike this graphic, (laughs) the crossroads we've arrived at has only two options. We can continue the trajectory of our decline that's been part of life here for at least 20 years, or we can address the decline, rethink, retool, redirect our efforts toward a new trajectory of vitality for God and his kingdom. Right now, we still have a choice. A year from now, we may not. 2022 will be a pivotal year for Evergreen Covenant Church. Now, I'm not gonna say, Uh, anything more about the state of our decline at this moment, no charts uh, showing declining attendance figures or declining income. If a picture tells a thousand words, um, then this picture from a typical Sunday in the 1980s tells much of the story. Now to imagine though, to imagine that addressing our decline means trying to become that church again, that misses the point. We are a small church now and small churches can either be vital churches or dying churches. That's our crossroads. Are we going to do the hard work of becoming a vital small church or are we going to continue this decline until we are a dying church? Now, the reason that, I, that I'm going to put these difficult things before us comes down to one thing. We have to face reality and soon. There can be no vitality without reality. See, this is the fundamental principle behind what has been a very effective movement of congregational revitalization um, revitalizing older churches in our denomination for the past 15 years. Uh, There can be no vitality without reality. We've called this movement Veritas and Veritas is a Latin word which we translate into English as truth. And it boils down to this. Churches cannot change their trajectory of decline until they are willing to tell themselves the truth about themselves. Indeed, we can rightly say, we must rightly say, that there is no vitality without a movement of the Spirit of God. I mean this is beyond question. But we found that churches facing reality, telling themselves the truth about reality, are doing the prerequisite work that the Holy Spirit does in the process of revitalization. He very rarely just sends people through the door of a declining church. Um, He starts revitalization with the people who are already there. So I found that it helps to look more closely into this concept of telling ourselves the truth about ourselves by by looking at three different kinds of truth churches need to, uh, to tell themselves. So, three different kinds. First, that would be this. We need to tell ourselves the truth about our context. So, by context, what's that? Demographics? Um, are we a church of young families, of, of uh, empty nesters, of senior citizens? Uh, is the community around us growing or declining? Uh, is, uh, is our building an asset or a liability? Are we meeting our financial challenges? Are we impacted by cultural trends and and weather or local economies or health issues like pandemics? What is our context? And are we telling ourselves the truth about it? So over the next months, I wanna have a series of conversations in which we can dig into our context right here at ECC and tell ourselves the truth about how it impacts our trajectory. Then, churches need to tell themselves the truth about their illusions. How do we like to think about ourselves? And how does that line up with reality? A self-image that doesn't line up with reality is an illusion. So I have, I have formed an image of myself that I like to believe is true. It was formed many years ago when I was young, in shape, vigorous. I mean that's honestly how I still picture myself until I happen to catch a glimpse of myself in a mirror. And I faced with an overweight senior citizen who limps and, and who takes naps in the afternoon. <laughs> and I will never thrive As a senior citizen, until I tell myself the truth about that man in the mirror, I am he. And so it is with churches. We have our illusions and we cherish them. I mean, how do we like to think about ourselves here at Evergreen Covenant Church? And does that connect with reality? I mean, that's an important conversation that we need to have and will have in the next months. If we're going to change our declining trajectory, we need to start with a clear view of who we are, right now. And then, churches need to tell themselves the truth about their issues. You know, their issues. (laughs) The things no one wants to name, to talk about, no one wants to work on until they're resolved, are issues. And here, I believe, is where we need to start if we are going to address our decline while we have a chance because we, as you know, we have issues. Now, let me say a word to those of you who may be new to Evergreen Covenant Church or who may be streaming the services at home. Um, Maybe you're considering whether or not to make Evergreen Covenant your church home. We're going to be talking about some things in the life of our church that we need to address. Some of these conversations need to take place and are taking place in private, but some of them need to happen in the context of public worship. So you might hear uh, things that are hard to hear, but we invite you to walk through this with us and even contribute to the conversations if you'd like to. Because I I believe that seeing how a church addresses its issues is an important part of choosing a church home. And so hopefully you'll see us being honest and gracious with one another as we work through these issues and that Christ will be honored. So, our issues. So on top of all the difficulties that every church in North America and around the world really has had to navigate during this pandemic, we've also experienced the painful dismissal of a long-term staff member and the subsequent resignations of five other staff members including a lead pastor who was called to our congregation only a year ago. Now by any account, elements of this process were handled poorly leaving us with some anger with that is some of us this anger is almost visceral and with a widespread mistrust of our leadership and the system through which decisions are made here we've lost people while others are still here waiting to see how things will be addressed and dealt with before they decide to continue here or not Our finances have taken a brutal hit, leaving us unable to replace most of the staff roles and leaving us vulnerable to sudden expenses like water damage from the recent monsoon season. So in truth, we cannot have serious conversations about addressing our decline until we have addressed our issues stemming from the events of this past fall. Mistakes and breaches need to be named and owned. Inadequate systems, policies, need to be reviewed and then revised. Angerness and bitterness need to be offered up to God. And relationships need to be restored. So that's what we're going to do in the next few weeks, months. We're going to tell ourselves the truth about our issues, and we are going to begin working with each other and with the Holy Spirit to address them. Now, to facilitate this, I want to put in front of you three key dates. And I want to ask you, I would use the word implore, but that sounds desperate, and this is not a desperate thing, but I want to ask you to very seriously consider reorienting any and all of your priorities so that you can participate in all of these gatherings we're planning on these particular dates. It's that important, friends. Reorient your priorities and plan to be part of these conversations on these dates. First on Tuesday, December uh, January 25th, so two weeks from this Tuesday night, our first gathering will be to hear my report to the congregation detailing my assessment of the handling, the mishandling, and the following tidal wave of uh, response related to Pastor Julie's dismissal this fall. Um, We need a starting point. We need a starting point to uh, begin rebuilding trust and unity and health and from my perspective, naming the breakdowns in the process and uh, in the relationships that occurred is the place to start. So please, indeed, block off Tuesday, January 25th and come and hear my report and, and interact with me about this report. Um, it is my attempt to use my fresh eyes and my uh, unique, I think, experience in leading churches, uh, in renewal, uh, all of that goes into my report. So please come. Uh, we haven't set a time yet, but I would imagine it's going to be 6: 30 or seven, whichever is the normal natural meeting time for the church. So we'll, we'll, keep, we'll keep you up to date as quickly as we settle that. OK? Uh, secondly, on uh, uh, please block off the afternoon, the whole afternoon of Sunday, February 6th. So that's, I think, just about a month from today. Um, I've asked a ministry colleague of mine to come and help us focus on the biblical call to forgiveness and reconciliation among God's people. Now, this friend has long experience in helping God's people come to a place of forgiveness in the face of deep pain and injury. And without reaching that place, that deep forgiveness and relationship reconciliation, we have nowhere to go. So please, block off the afternoon of February 6th as a divine appointment. And then thirdly, block off the evening of February 16th, a Wednesday evening, for a Family Matters congregational meeting in which we plan to have a serious and hopefully final conversation about what it will take to bring us to closure in this painful season, to come together in truth and in love in order to begin addressing the decline that has put us at this crucial crossroads. Uh, Friends, I, I know that what I'm putting in front of you today and what will be continued to put in front of you uh, is hard to hear and hard to contemplate. Uh, Especially if you've come this morning with other needs on your mind and you're looking for a word of hope from God. These are hard, hard days. And I assure you that God knows your other needs and is at work already to help you in them. And I would just remind you that God is able to walk with us through anything life throws at us, anything. Whether it's trouble in our own lives or whether it's trouble here at church. And that's why we align ourselves today with the infant church through our text. And we pray, sovereign Lord, our prayer can be as wise and as confident as theirs. So will you pray with me? Sovereign Lord, (laughs) Sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth and everything, including our issues, everything is under your control. Sovereign Lord, you spoke to us through your word, preparing us for this moment by calling us to trust you and you alone. Sovereign Lord, you ordained. Your will cannot be thwarted. And so we submit to you and we place our future in your hands. Sovereign Lord, consider our situation and help us. And as a response, people of God, Please read with me the last verse of our text, together. And read with me with boldness. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. And all the believers were in one heart and mind, amen.